Welcome back to They See Discourse, a podcast designed to spark a conversation about race and racism, especially as it pertains to the Indian community. In our last episode, we heard community members processing George Floyd's death and reacting to the Black Lives Matter movement. We talked about the fact that our community members are angry and upset about the death of George Floyd and are surprised and frustrated by the persistence of racism and racist structures in America. And we explored the potential reasons that our community has remained silent and why we have hesitated to speak up despite the frustration we feel. In this episode, we'll explore the different ways in which our community members have started to learn about, identify, and unlearn their own biases. We'll start off with Bari, who you heard in a previous episode, and who is a rising sophomore in college. We have our own experiences dealing with racism, but at the end of the day, there are minorities that face it at a much greater extent than us, and that includes like uh, people of uh, that identify with Latino identity, uh, ethnicity, people of um, people that are Native American, and especially uh, Black people too, because uh, we're we're expected to act a certain way, but we're less likely for the color of our skin to be worried about you know running down the road be- or that a policeman might just come at us and i'm not saying that everything's perfect for us but it's certainly better than such minorities and especially african americans and what i've also noticed growing up is that especially the indian community that they have their own stereotypes that perpetuate this systemic racism against other minorities and I've listened to it all. I've heard it. I even had those certain stereotypes in my head. But especially with this social movement, which I'm so thankful for, I realized that it's up to me to unlearn those biases and those judgments and to recognize that that's wrong and that I shouldn't be judging someone based on what I've heard of what a person should be and that I should not identify people with stereotypes of what I've heard from either my parents, peers, or like what society dictates. And I think that's really up to us to recognize that. And the biggest thing as a person in the Indian community is that we need to start having those difficult conversations with our with our parents, you know, our friends. Like, you know, might they might say like a racial sir, and it's like, oh, like, hey, like, hey. I know you might not necessarily have meant that to be offensive, but it is because of X, Y, and Z. And I would really appreciate if you wouldn't do that because I think it's offensive to because of this reason. And it's really difficult to have those conversations. I've, you know, it's scary to kind of be like, be the one being like, hey, like calling someone out. But I don't think it's necessarily confrontational, but only just trying to help another person's ignorance and trying to help everyone grow. And it definitely takes time for everyone to unlearn those biases and obviously many parents like mine they say it's kind of the background they they grew up with and to a certain extent that can be an excuse but at some point it needs to stop because just because you're a certain age you don't stop growing and learning and just because they were brought up with that mentality for however many years and believe that it doesn't mean that this is the time where they have to they where they can't change or grow or learn because you know what the most beautiful thing about us as individuals is that we can always keep growing and learning and so be like hey mom hey dad like or hey whoever you know teach them help them learn like help them realize that there's no certain age where you stop learning and growing and that obviously i'm not right and i'm not perfect but if we can contribute to unlearning those biases i think we're really playing our part in 
kind of recognizing the greater purpose of this social movement. And I think it's also important to realize that we're not at the forefront of it. That yes, as minorities, we face racism and that's not okay. But black the Black Lives Matter movement is showing problems everywhere, but I think it's important to recognize how disadvantaged black li black people's lives has been from their ancestors as we've learned in our history class and so you know it's important to call out people who are mistreating you for your race but also recognize that we're not supposed to be at the forefront of this but allies and helping people who identify as black share their stories and when people apologize for mistakes they've made to black people it's not our place to accept their apologies for them but to help point them out and so I hope you can take away what you can from that. I hope I helped in any way that I can. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I I might have missed, I don't know. I'm still growing as an individual. And so, yeah, that's what I have to share. Bye. I hope you're doing well and being safe during this pandemic. We've heard from so many people who want to make sure that the momentum from the Black Lives Matter protests doesn't die down. That this time, it leads to transformational change. That this time, we start to root out racism. Well. Transformational change isn't easy, and it doesn't happen when people are sitting passively on the sidelines. If we want that type of change, if we want a future of true equality and inclusion for everyone, we must step up and create it. It starts with learning and understanding about the history of racism in America and the experience of being Black in America. We must understand the ways in which racism has become institutionalized. We have to learn about all of the ways times, and places that racism has touched the lives of Black individuals. And we must understand the huge impact it has on their lives. And that's just step one. Then we actually have to do something about it. We have to take systemic actions, such as actively seeking to dismantle the systems that perpetuate racism through voting, through advocating for policy change, through holding our elected officials responsible. And we also have to take individual action through ensuring our workplaces prioritize diversity and inclusion, through holding our friends and family accountable, and so, so much more. So we encourage all of you listening, wherever you might be on the journey of learning, to keep at it and don't let the momentum die down. To the younger generation in the community, it's your responsibility to initiate these conversations with the adults. Ask them questions, talk to them about their biases. Understand that they've come from a different generation with different ideals, but help guide them to see how we can drive change and make this world a better place for all of the future generations. And to the adults in the community, take conscious steps towards listening, processing, and understanding these issues and how we as an Indian community can help. And then use your network of friends and connections to drive that social change. This process will be uncomfortable for everybody. That's a natural part of growth. It's easy to shy away from change because you're scared you'll say the wrong thing or you're scared you'll offend people, but you can't let that fear stop you. You can see clearly the implications of the current systems in George Floyd's death, in Breonna Taylor's death, in Ahmaud Arbery's death. We must take the time to learn and we must push forward through the discomfort to speak up. Our final speaker, Minakshianti, tells us about the recent journey of learning she went on. Hi, I'm a culturally diverse, intellectually curious, uh, teacher professional and solopreneur. 
born and raised in India and now in the U.S. since 2008, I'd say I've experienced racism and discrimination in both countries. I've felt like an outsider almost all my life, uh, especially in India, I would say. I mean, uh, feeling like an outsider here in the U.S., I think it's, a, it's, it's probably... Um, I'm, I, uh, it's, it's probably okay because I'm, a, I'm not originally from here. But even from in India, uh, it was the same story. So I'm originally from the South, spent uh, the first several years of my life in the North, in Agra. So I was this madrasi whose name had initials but no surname. Uh, then I, our family moved back to the South. I still didn't fit in because by then I, I had transformed into this Punjabi who spoke Hindi and Tamar but not Malayalam. Um, as an adult, moved back again to Delhi and then to Pune. And, you know, the story just continued. I never fit in, uh, primarily because of language, region, um, uh, and then, you know, uh, native culture and things like that. So either I didn't speak the language, local language at all, uh, or I didn't speak it as well as the locals did. Uh, so I, I never felt like I, I belonged anywhere in India. So it was more about... Uh, it was very little to do with the fact that I was an Indian citizen. It was more about which state in India I was from and where I grew up and, you know, the languages I spoke or didn't speak and all of that. In the U.S., um, I, I would say that it's uh, racism that I've experienced is about the color of my skin and appearance. So, for example, um, I've been mistaken uh, for a store associate at least three times. Nothing wrong with that, except that, you know, people would ask me a question, assuming that I work there. And if I didn't have the answer, they would actually have the audacity to be miffed with me. And uh, that was very interesting. So in addition to be, uh, to, uh, you know, for people to assume that I'm Indian, sometimes people would mistake me for a, a Latina or, or being Middle Eastern. So, you know, so this has been my experience uh, almost my entire life with, uh, with not feeling included. So that's been my experience. So that's my experience of racism and discrimination. Um, so given all of this, I found it hard to kind of rally behind the Black Lives Matter movement because, I, you know, I spent a lot of time in the All Lives Matter uh, uh, block, if you will. Uh, but given the gravity of the situation, I also felt a, res a responsibility to show up with authenticity, particularly now that I'm engaging with this, not just as a citizen, but also as an entrepreneur whose vision for her business is to promote organizational agility through inclusion. So with this focus on inclusion, I made it my mission to understand more about the Black Lives Matter movement, its origins, its implications. Um, I also started to have conversations with uh, three of my uh, closest Black women friends. And when I first started looking at the history of the Black Lives Movement, uh, you know, learned that it was started by uh, three Black women uh, in response to the acquittal of George Zimmerman in the killing of Trayvon Martin. Uh, this was back in 2013. Um, that was one thing that stayed with me, how these three women, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullers, and Opal Tomeji, came together to um, make a statement and, you know, it started off as a social media post and it's now transformed into this movement that it is today. The other thing that um, stayed with me is something I read on LinkedIn. And this was uh, Marcus Bullock, who is the CEO of, of this uh, social enterprise called uh, Flickshop. What that does is uh, it, it helps families uh, who have their loved ones uh, incarcerated 
stay in touch with one another. So that's what flip, flip shop, uh, flick shop does. So your uh, uh, families can uh, take a picture or, or use a, you know, a Facebook post or a picture and send that over through the flick shop app and they will convert it to a postcard and have it mailed physically uh, to their loved one who's incarcerated. So this is uh, Marcus Bullock's life's work because he himself had that experience where he was uh, um, arrested and convicted and uh, arrested and tried, uh, arrested at the age of 15 and tried as an adult and convicted. And he spent uh, eight years in prison. And this is, you know, this is his personal experience. So one of the things he talks about in his LinkedIn post is how he had to sit down and have this really tough conversation with his nine-year-old son about how to behave uh, in public, especially if there's police involved. And, you know, something he said, he said, if you don't have to have this kind of a conversation with your kids, then, you know, that's why Black Lives Matter is important. And another metaphor I read on a LinkedIn post that said, you know what, all, all houses are important, but the one that's on fire, the house that's on fire is what needs the most attention. So, you know, these things really drove home the point uh, for Black Lives Matter the way it is in, in, the, in the American context. If you take a global perspective, which, which I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about, so I, I believe that it's colorism that's at the root of it all. You know, we have examples from around the world, darker skinned people uh, and black people being oppressed. So, you know, of course, the transatlantic slave trade, then you talk about the Native Americans here in North America, the Inuit, the Sami in the Nordic region, the Adivasis in India, the Aboriginals in Australia, the Maori in New Zealand, uh, and to some extent, even the Ainu in Japan. So it seems to be, the trend seems to be that, uh, you know, darker skinned people and, or, and black people are an indigenous uh, people. Um, they are, they have consistently been oppressed uh, by lighter skinned and fair skinned and white people. So that's the narrative that I'm seeing come up for me. If you look at, and in today's world, if you look at advertisements and infomercials for nonprofits, you'll always see, uh, you'll more often than not see white folks. It's the white folks that are helping out uh, the darker skinned folks. Those are the images that you'll see. So there's always this white savior. In India, they, we have this obsession with fair skin. I mean, look at it. Fair and lovely is still a thing in the 20th century. And with the Black Lives Matter movement, they've gone ahead and renamed themselves as uh, uh, glow and lovely or something like that. I mean, why not just accept the, that the product is irrelevant in today's times? Anyway, so I feel like skin color is a big deal. It's a, it's a real issue. And, and especially in India, it's associated with things such as caste, uh, religion, and region. So uh, the, the Black Lives Matter has really put all of this in the forefront for me. And it's been a personal quest for me for understanding of the various perspectives of the issue. And, you know, I've only started this journey. There are so many aspects to consider. History, intergenerational trauma, unconscious bias, intersection identities. And the first step is really, uh, at least for me, has been to really take the time to learn uh, and understand the past. Because unless and under uh, until you understand what's happened, it's very difficult and it's almost uh, unwise to start planning uh, corrective action, you have to really understand the past. And I feel like I'm taking the time to do that just now. So you know, in all of this, in, in this context and to that end, I'm so touched that young people like you, especially those of Indian origin, are taking up this responsibility of generating this meaningful, much needed and long overdue dialogue around one of humanity's biggest tragedies. 
And so um, it's my privilege to be a part of it. And I really want to thank you very much for this opportunity. Such an important call out that it all starts with learning. As a part of this project, we've compiled a set of resources on our website to jumpstart your own journeys of learning. Please visit the website and look through the resources and talk about what you're learning with your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We are always grateful to have such a strong and steadfast community like you and hope that this has been one way for us to gather during a global pandemic. Thank you all. Visit the website, stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you soon.